Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. This episode is sponsored by Retreats by Mary, which are my very own self-love retreats for women. These retreats, we have actually two coming up at the time of this recording. The first one is in Zanzibar, which is March 18th through 24th. That is a seven-day self-love retreat in the magical island of Zanzibar, which, yes, is in Africa. It's a semi-autonomous region off the coast of Tanzania, which is so exotic and cool, and I can't believe it's happening, but there are a couple spots left. So if you want to join us, go to my website and go to self-love retreats. You'll see it right there. And after, we have a retreat coming up in July, July 19th through 23rd, will be our Costa Rica self-love retreat. And both of these retreats are focused around healing body image, building confidence, and loving yourself unconditionally. So I have workshops every single day with you where I will teach you to do exactly that. We go on various excursions depending on which location you're coming to, but if you're coming to Zanzibar, we're going to be paddleboarding and swimming with dolphins and exploring the town and running on the beach and photo shoots and laughter and crying and connecting and dancing and singing and so many things that just connect you to yourself and your body while connecting you with other women that are on the same self-love journey. It truly is a magical experience. I don't even have words to describe it. You just got to be there. So if you're interested in a self-love retreat, like I said, just go to maryscupoftea.com and you will see a self-love retreats tab. Click on that. You can scroll on that page and find a self-love retreat that is calling your name. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Mary. I am so excited for this week's episode because it's my birthday episode. That's right. On February 8th. 2020, I am turning 22 years old. How cool is that? I feel so young. And at the same time, I feel like these past three years of my life have just had so much life in them, if that makes sense. Like I've just been through so much, all good things and everything that's led me to this moment right now, which I'm so grateful for. But I also, you know, have a lot of insecurities about being young. And it's something that I've always felt really insecure about because I skipped a grade in elementary school. So I was always the youngest person in the classroom. I was always the youngest person in my grade, the last one to start driving, the youngest one to graduate, to be in college. Like, it's always been like, oh my God, you're so young. And I would get things like, oh my God, you're so smart for your age. And I'm like, no, bitch, I'm just smart. I'm just smart. And that's that. (laughs) So anyways, I guess I still have some shame about my age and all this stuff, but I am slowly but surely overcoming it, which is why I am sharing with you today 22 things I learned in 22 years. Now, I've been compiling this list for the past week or so because I wanted this episode to be not just like cool things I learned that are super cute to say, but I also wanted to dive into my experiences with some of these things and get really deep and really personal with you, as always, Um, but today especially. So without further ado, I'm going to take a dramatic sip of tea. And let's begin. 
Number one, you're not everyone's cup of tea, nor are you supposed to be. There will always be people who won't like you no matter what you do, okay? Now, literally for most of my life, I have been, and I think I still am, I say I'm a recovering people pleaser. So most of my life, I always wanted nothing more than for people to like me. And my mind was just consumed with thoughts of, do they like me? Um, or do they secretly hate me? Like I would literally think that my best friends in middle and high school secretly hated me. And that one of these days, they're going to come out and say that we've hated you all along. And that was like one of my biggest fears. Like that is literally what would keep me up at night. And as I've gotten older and wiser, I feel so like posh and also weird saying that. But seriously, as I've gotten older, I've realized that people not liking you is actually a blessing. Now, there's one thing that I practice in my business, um, my Retreats by Mary business and my online courses and everything I do on social media. One thing that I always tell myself is that when somebody unfollows you or disagrees with you or completely rejects you for who you are, it hurts. Like, I won't lie. It takes some mental practice and thought work in order to keep telling yourself this. But one thing that I tell myself is that it's active repelling. So it's not just that they unfollowed me. It's that I'm actively pushing away people that I don't want in my space in the first place. Now, if you've recently been rejected in any capacity, I invite you to think of this as active repelling. So if somebody ghosts you, they didn't ghost you. You just actively dodged a bullet. And the difference between actively and passively is that actively means that you are actually the one in charge of it. Okay. You're not a victim to these people that don't like you. You're actually in charge of this. And it's actually such a blessing that the people that aren't meant to be in your life have left your life. And it's actually a blessing when somebody ghosts you because guess what? no work for you. So consistently retraining those thought patterns in your head about what it means when somebody doesn't like you or simply disagrees with you is so, so worth it because how many of us like want to be liked? It's it's everybody. Literally everybody on this planet wants to be liked. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just straight up human nature, but it could also be the number one thing that's holding you back. It literally could be the number one thing that is holding you back from making lots of money. The number one thing that's holding you back from healing. The number one thing that's holding you back from true friends. The number one thing that's holding you back from a loving relationship. Because if you think about it, constantly caring about what other people think about you is stressful. It's exhausting. And it builds up a lot of resentment and insecurities when you're around people that you want, you are around, like people, friends and family and your partner and everything. Because Constantly thinking about other people's opinions, what I like to call OPO, is going to be taking you away from the present moment and is going to be taking you away from the people that are actually there for you. The people that are there for you are going to continue being there for you and loving you unconditionally. So the fact that people don't like you is actually a good thing. Number two, avocados are expensive, but buy them anyways if they make you happy. Same with anything. If something truly makes you happy, buy it. 
okay? Spend money on the things that'll really, really increase your happiness and stop wasting money on shit you don't like. Now, um, about a year ago, when I first started getting close to my best friend, Ula, you probably have seen her on Instagram. She's your PCOS girl, but she has two Frenchies, like two French bulldogs that are super duper cute. Now, if you know anything about Frenchies, you know, they're like a pretty expensive dog breed. And I remember one time, like, you know, out of curiosity, asking her like, Hey, Ula, like, how did you, you know, justify getting these fancy schmancy dogs and, you know, paying so much money for them. And I remember her calling me out and being like, well, some people buy expensive handbags. We buy expensive dogs because we like these dogs. We like this breed. We obviously love them now that we're dog parents. And that's that. Like they bring us happiness and they bring us joy. And the way that she answer that really resonated with me because it's true. Like everybody has their own thing that they like to spend money on and nothing is bad or good that you like to spend money on. I mean, to, to a extent, right? Of course, there are some things that you probably shouldn't be spending that much money on, but I am nobody to judge. But anyways, like for the most part, there are some things that spending money on bring you so much joy and you need to stop feeling guilty about spending money on things you like. And on the flip side, stop spending money on shit you hate <laughs> because it's like that quote, like stop spending money on shit you hate to impress people that you don't even like. You know, there's so many things. An example for me is getting my nails done. I like getting pedicures. I do not like getting manicures. I get bored. I usually get some weird infection. I don't like um, having like long nails on my fingers. I don't like doing the fake nails. And throughout my life, there's been so many times where I've spent money on getting my nails done just because I felt like that's what I should do because all my friends did it and because obviously girls are told that they need their nails done all the time. And then I realized like, I really love my natural nails. Like I seriously do. And I hate spending money on a manicure that doesn't even bring me joy. I just peel it off two days later, you know? So I stopped getting my nails done. I'll get my nails done every once in a while, but I always try to tap into myself and think like, okay, do I really, really want my nails done? And why? Like, is this really going to make me happy? And if it really is, then go ahead, like do it. But always take a moment to tap into yourself. Number three, hair removal is overrated. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I got laser hair removal last year, and I got it on my underarms. And the reason why I got it, and again, I'm being totally honest. Please don't judge me. I don't know why I feel so scared to say this. Um, But I feel like so many things are just difficult to talk about when you're a feminist because, you know, as a feminist, we're constantly unpacking things that we've picked up from the patriarchy, and we can't be perfect, and we're always learning. But I know hair removal is totally a patriarchy thing, but last year I got laser hair removal on my armpits because I decided that I wanted to get a Brazilian, but I wanted to know what it felt like before I went ahead and did the Brazilian. Um, So I got it done and like, it's great. I mean, it's nice, I guess, but only because I'm used to not having hair on my underarms. And I always have to tell myself and recognize that hair removal is literally a beauty culture thing. I mean, think how much money is in monthly waxing and razor blades and shaving creams and laser hair removal costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Thankfully, I got a Groupon. Um, So I got eight sessions for like 80 bucks. But 
you know, laser hair removal and hair removal in general is definitely something that's perpetuated by the patriarchy to put women in a box and to keep women, women concentrated on how they look. So I invite you to start like exploring how you feel about your own body hair and why you feel that way. Since I got my underarms done, I decided that I don't want to go forward with a Brazilian because I actually don't mind my hairy vagina or vulva, whatever the proper term is. I, I don't mind it, you know? And the only reason that I, for some reason, thought it was gross throughout my life is just because that's what people have been telling me. So of course you're going to absorb what every single person around you and every single thing you see in the media is telling you, right? So as I've been exploring this, I've also invited my partner to start exploring this, being like, well, why do you think body hair on a woman is unattractive? Like, it's actually a sign of womanhood. Like, do you want to be like, you know, pretending like you're screwing a baby? I don't think so. (laughs) So I invite you to start exploring how you feel about how a woman should be or should look like or what we're supposed to do to like maintain beauty, right? So anyways, don't shave if you don't want to shave. If you like shaving, like shave, whatever. You're not a bad feminist. That's the number one thing that I hate the most is when women call each other bad feminists because there's really no such thing. We are all constantly learning. Okay, moving on. Number four, Ritual is the key to happiness. Now, ritual can be something you do once a week, like a date night, or something you can do once a month, like a girl's night, or something you do once a year, like a family tradition, right? So we already, throughout our lives, we already have so much ritual, and actually humanity was built and grown on ritual, right? We always gathered around the fire. We always gathered to eat. Um, We're constantly ritualizing so many things in our lives, like holidays, right? That is a huge part of what keeps us looking forward to things and what keeps us happy. And I've realized that ritualizing the little things, not necessarily the big things, but really ritualizing the daily little things or the weekly little things that make you so happy is going to increase your overall happiness. Even if if you don't feel like it in the moment over a period of time when you look back and you're like, wow, isn't it so cute how every single Friday we do dinner together? Or for me, like my family never celebrated Shabbat because my family wasn't really into the Jewish culture because back in communist Russia where my parents um, were refugees from, like you weren't allowed to be Jewish because communism. You weren't allowed to practice any religion. Um, So when we came here, we didn't really have Jewish traditions, but my partner's family has the tradition of Shabbat every single Friday. And it's brought me so much happiness. Like literally just gathering at his mom's house every single Friday, just him and I and his parents and the dogs. And doing that every single week has really given me something to look forward to. Even something as simple as that, that I never thought I would enjoy. And I do enjoy it. And I love it. And it keeps me going. So ritualize more things in your life. Maybe it's a skincare routine or it's a weekly or monthly thing with your friends or whatever it may be. Ritualize. Okay. Ritual, ritual, ritual. Key to happiness. Number five, investing time, energy, and money into yourself is always worth it. Now, I you know, as you heard earlier, I kind of struggle with money and like money guilt and buying things for myself and, you know, always thinking about like, is this worth it? And every time you say, is it worth it? Sometimes we are actually saying, am I worth it? 
Like, am I worth to spend money on? And I'm just going to like nip that in the butt right now and say you're fucking worth spending money on. Okay. You're fucking worthy of gifts from your friends and your partner and your parents. You're worthy of buying things for yourself. You're worthy of spending time, energy, attention, and money on yourself. That is always worth it. I've done this in a big capacity, like actually going forward and finishing my degree, even though I do have student loans, but I am actually really grateful for my education. I am a bachelor. I have a bachelor's in economics and it taught me a lot. Like college doesn't necessarily teach you the subject matter, although that's part of it, but mostly college teaches you how to learn. Same with anything else, like any challenging course you take or educational program or any kind of life journey. It kind of teaches you that, you know, critical thinking. I hate to be all high school teacher on you, but it does teach you critical thinking. It tells, it teaches you logic and reason. It teaches you connecting with people. It teaches you so much more than what you're actually studying, if that makes sense. And I think that it was worth it. You know, a lot of times I get really frustrated with the education system, at least here in America and how expensive it is and how much time I've spent on things. And, you know, I just had a problem where I almost thought I wasn't graduating because they switched my counselor three times and I couldn't get a hold of anybody and they wouldn't answer any of my calls or phone calls or emails. And I was just so frustrated because I thought I wasn't going to get my degree. And I screamed and I cried a little bit and I was like, God, I'm just so angry that I put so much time and energy into this and money, not to mention money, into college. Like, was it even worth it? And now looking back, it was worth it. I really can honestly say that it was worth it. Same with like anything expensive that I've ever bought for myself. And I'm speaking particularly in in the education realm, like anytime I've invested in coaching or programs or some sort of event to learn from or just anything like that, like mentorship, I've never regretted it because putting time, not even putting, investing time, energy, and money into yourself is worth it. At the end of the day, all you got in yourself All you got is yourself. Now, some people invest in real estate, which is fine. Maybe that's one way you invest in yourself is like your home. Um, But my thing is mostly like travel and education and experiences. That's, That's how I invest in myself. So yours may be different, but it's always worth it. Number six, your experiences are enough. Take a dramatic sip of tea. And I'm gonna say that again. Your experiences are enough. It doesn't matter what you want to do or who you want to, you know, become in this lifetime. Your experiences are always going to be enough. So keep that in mind when you're giving advice to a friend or when you're starting a new project or a business or some kind of a side hustle. Um, I learned this in particular in the business realm because I really struggled sharing my message on social media at first because I thought, well, I'm not a therapist and I'm not even fully recovered from my eating disorder yet. And I'm not qualified to share information and have other people follow me and take 
basically advice from me, right? Um, and especially as I started doing some more coaching work and and working with people one-on-one and not to mention retreats, like hosting worldwide self-love retreats from for women who want to learn from me, like that was really scary for me because I think we always get a little bit of imposter syndrome when we go into things that we're unfamiliar with. And imposter syndrome is basically anytime you feel like an imposter. Like anytime you feel like I'm not qualified enough or what if I'm a fraud or do I even know what I'm doing? Like anytime you're like really questioning yourself, right? And I felt this way so much, but I always have to combat that voice inside my head and replace it with my experiences are enough. And if you go into it with that mindset that I'm going to give these people all I got, you know, all I have in me and with good intentions and doing everything that I can in order to educate and empower myself so that I can educate and empower others, then everything is going to be a-okay and you are going to be so successful. Your experiences are enough. Just go out there and use them for good. Number seven. Okay, ladies, listen up, okay? This is some serious, serious business. There is such a thing as showering too much, okay? Don't do it. Don't shower too much. You'll get a yeast infection. Your genitals will be very irritated from all the soaps you use. And actually, your vagina cleans itself, you know? Kind of like how cats look lick themselves. Your pussy basically licks itself and cleans itself, okay? So, don't shower too much. Stop being obsessed with hygiene down there or the smell down there. Like there is a balance. <laughs> okay. A couple of years ago, I used to be like obsessed with washing my vagina because I was so insecure about the way it smells. And it's actually smells perfect. It smells exactly the way it needs to smell because your vagina is just so cool. And if you're really interested in this, read books like Pussy, A Reclamation. It's literally a book called Pussy. Read a book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski, Nagowski, I think. Um, And she talks about, you know, all the beauty of your vagina and how every vagina is beautiful. It's actually vulva. So the proper term is vulva. That's actually one thing I learned from the book, that the proper term is vulva. She talks about orgasms and pleasure and all the little scientific-y things behind your clitoris and all that fun, juicy stuff, right? But one thing you have to know is that your vagina is self-cleaning. You do not have to wash it all the time and don't use soap. You will get a yeast infection. I used to have chronic chronic yeast infections because I would always be washing down there. Don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. I feel like that was the most serious one because honestly, like yeast infections are not comfortable. Okay. Moving on. Number eight, hating yourself will not make you happy. Criticizing your body is not going to make you magically look better and shame will not make you feel worthy. Okay. And I think that sometimes we really get caught in such negative thought patterns that we forget that they actually make things worse. And I know that we kind of recognize that like, hey, it doesn't feel good when I hate myself, but I don't think we realize the extent to which it's just perpetuating self-hate. You got to break the cycle somewhere. You got to start doing thought work. You got to work on your self-talk. You got to shameless plug for my ebook, get something like 
my ebook, The Body Confidence Guide, and start unpacking your body image struggles and start healing those. Start going on a self-love journey and start doing anything you can to have more love for yourself. The little things, the big things, educating yourself, playing with yourself. And I don't mean necessarily masturbating. I mean just having some more fun, intuitive eating, tapping into your body, moving your body in a way that feels good. Like go on this self-love journey, please, because you're never going to be happy hating yourself. You're never going to look better if you keep criticizing your body. I know that sometimes we also think that like, oh, well, uh, criticizing myself is how I get better because I work harder at the gym. But like, no, you cannot change what you don't accept. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to change or wanting to run faster or wanting to be a better person, but you're also never going to change what you don't accept. This is why acceptance is always the first step to any kind of self-bettering process you go through. And also shame will not make you feel worthy. So you can't just keep shaming yourself and keep feeling guilty and, and keep this going, thinking that one day with that perfect body and the perfect boyfriend and the perfect house and car and all the external things that you're finally going to feel like you're enough. The only thing that's going to make you feel enough is if you work on yourself. Number nine, this is about relationships. Having disagreements, arguments, and the occasional yelling is mostly healthy for a relationship but you got to know when it crosses the line. Now, I don't share a lot about my exes um, for many reasons. Part of it is because I'm honestly scared. Like I'm really scared to violate somebody's privacy or to share too much or to sound too dramatic. Like I won't lie. That's the voice inside my head. But I guess I'm getting over that right now. So I was in two very emotionally and verbally abusive relationships, one of which was my first ever boyfriend, the one I lost my virginity to in high school. And he used to yell at me all the fucking time, just screaming at me. We would get into screaming fights. He would like nearly run me over with his car. This one time he literally like slammed the door and drove off. And I swear that car nearly ran over my foot. Um, He would like come to my house like yelling and my mom would like be there like totally disrespectful and just nasty. Um, And then my ex-boyfriend, the most recent one, it was a lot more complicated but it was also incredibly verbally abusive. And I think that one thing that he used to say that really kept me stuck in it was, I yell, so big fucking deal, but I love you. I yell because I love you. No joke, he would say those words. And I know those are the words that you read about abusive relationships all the time, but when you're in it, you don't recognize that that's what they're saying and you actually believe them because how abusers work is that they beat you down This is how manipulation works. They beat you down and then they bring you back up, right? They apologize. They show you love. They show you affection. And you feel like you have to like fight for that love and affection. And then they make you feel so on top of the world that you feel like they're the only person that can make you feel better. And then your mind forgets that they were actually the person that made you feel bad in the first place, right? So that's literally how manipulation works. And that's what both of my exes did to me. And, um, Yeah, that whole thing, that whole thing about 
I yell because I love you or we fight because we love each other or like movie Hollywood screaming at each other like the notebook and like, ah, you know, like because I love you. Like, no, that is not how love is expressed. And you need to know when it crosses the line. And I think everybody inside knows when it crosses the line, but we choose to stick around. And I honestly stuck around until I couldn't anymore until we as a couple and us as individuals hit rock bottom. And that's when it got really dramatic when I had to book a one-way ticket back home, um, back home to my parents, I mean. So anyways, know when it crosses the line. Arguing, disagreements, sometimes yelling at each other, like, that's fine. But you got to really get real with yourself. Is Are the things that you're tolerating, are they really just arguments? Or is it fucking abusive? Get real with yourself. Okay. Number 10, take your personal pleasure very seriously. And there's no reason to have quote guilty pleasures because if you like something, just fucking like it. No guilt in the pleasure game. Okay. Just enjoy it. You know, your body is made for pleasure. Like literally we're the only creatures on this planet who have sex for pleasure. Women also have a clitoris that is literally made for just pleasure. There's basically no other purpose of it. And read that book, Come As You Are, because it'll really explain everything in depth. But your personal pleasure journey has to become a thing. Now, I know that like things like masturbation are filled with so much shame. And if it helps, start with feeling pleasure in little things that aren't masturbation. So for example, when you take a bite of food, savor it, eat chocolate, and like feel the flavors Feel all of the flavors in it and like really like let the chocolate play with your tongue. When you kiss somebody, slow down and enjoy it, okay? When you dance or sing, enjoy it. Let it be pleasurable. Let a breath of fresh air be filled with pleasure for you. Tap into that more often because the more you can feel pleasure throughout your daily life, the more you're going to feel pleasure with yourself and your body as a whole. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) Okay. Number 11, your body's only purpose. Literally the only reason that your body exists and the only reason why we're not spirits floating around, your body's only purpose is to keep you alive in this body, in this lifetime. Be kind to it. Be kind to it. Anytime you're being mean to your body, recognize that the only reason it's here is to keep you alive, even when it hurts, even when it's screaming out in pain. It's screaming out in pain to keep you alive. There's a mechanism that works to make you feel pain because otherwise, if we didn't feel pain, we would just walk into fires and die, right? Um, Your body has certain things that it needs to go through and that it needs to feel in order to keep you alive. And that includes colds and flus and pains and stretch marks and tummy rolls, to hold your internal organs, everything that your body is built of is made to keep you alive. Remind yourself of that next time you feel yourself having a rough body image day or a a bad body image thought, okay? Your body is here to keep you alive. Okay, number 12. This one's deep and loaded. (sighs) Your parents are also human. I think sometimes we know that, but we don't know that. 
that our parents are literally just as human as we are. They go through shit. They get angry. They lash out on us when they shouldn't. They make mistakes. They drink too much. They cheat. Okay. I think when I was little, I used to always think like I was going through a rough time at school, like especially middle school. And I'd think, oh, when I grow up, when I'm an adult, things will be different. Things will be better. And then the older I got, the more I started realizing that adults are just like giant children and they still do the same shit and there's still the same drama and there's still the same clicks and there's still the same gossip and there's still the same worries and there's still the same insecurities. Like it's all the same. If anything, it's more so when you're an adult and recognizing that with my parents, um, especially with my dad who has not been a part of my life, who has said he loved me, but I never believed him because he didn't love me in the way I needed to be loved. But looking back, I'm sure he loved me in his own way because he was going through his own mental health struggle. Um, You don't know this, nor have I ever talked about this, but my dad is mentally ill. Um, My dad recently moved to Russia about a year ago because his dad died. So he left him an apartment in Russia, but before he was living in California and he was completely homeless, completely homeless. I mean, literally living out of a really, really bad looking RV. No joke. He would pull up to pick me up from the airport in this horrible trailer house. Um, Nothing wrong with living in a trailer house, but That's the kind of like lowest low that my dad got to where he lost his house and he lost me and my mom and everything. And it's always just been filled with so much pain and anger at my dad for not being there for me. But now that I'm older and I went to go visit him in Russia and I look at him as not my dad. I think whenever we say my, we possess things, right? Like if we say my or mine or my mom or my husband or my sister, like it brings us into the equation instead of seeing them as a whole person, a good practice is to kind of just see people as themselves and not your anything. So not my dad, but just a human. And so I was looking at my dad thinking like, fuck, he went through so much in communist Russia and with both of his parents dying really ugly deaths. And with, um, the, you know, the business that he was a part of in Russia during the fall apart of the Soviet Union and not having anything to eat and literally growing up in the streets and being in an orphan house because his dad was such an alcoholic and all this stuff. Like, it's just hard, you know? And not to mention parenting is really fucking hard and there's no parenting rule book. So your parents made mistakes with you, but it's okay because that fucked you up in a good way because now you grow from it and you heal and you probably developed a sense of humor because of it. <laughs> Literally, most sense of humor comes from trauma, right? Then you learn to like laugh at things that happen and it's okay. Like bringing some joy into it or some humor, laughter into it is fine. Um, so yeah, like your parents are human. They're doing their best. They're not perfect. Um, but they are just as flawed as any of us and they love you in their own way. Maybe not in the way that you deserve, but they love you the way they know how. Okay. Number 13. Sometimes you just have to leave. Leave the conversation that's not going a good direction. Get out of your house. Take a solo trip. Just leave. 
There has been so many times that I've packed up my bags and just left and I've never regretted it. Um, you know, if my ex and I would get in a fight, sometimes removing myself from the situation was the best thing possible. And I'm not saying like avoid conflict and just walk out on it, but you know when it's time for you to leave. Okay. Leaving my ex was fantastic. Um, not fantastic, but it was hard, but it was the best thing I did for my myself and my my well-being. Get out of your house. So stop sitting in your house and wallowing in self-pity. Just go to a coffee shop or take a solo trip. Take a solo trip. Leave the country. Leave your country. Okay? Get out. See things. Just leave. Number 13. Oops, we just did 13. Number 14. There's a whole world out there. If you don't travel, you won't see it. Now, traveling has been such a big part of my life, not just with retreats, but for my personal pleasure and personal well-being and my personal growth, because there is nothing that educates you more than travel. When you travel, you get to learn about different cultures. You get to be outside of your environment. You get to you just get to see people from different walks of life that are completely different than your own, and you see them surviving and sometimes thriving. In Italy, everybody is always so happy, okay? And they don't have much. Like, and I'm not saying Italy is like a poor country, but they don't have like, you know, in Arizona, I guess everybody here lives in big houses and we have cars and all these things. Like in Italy, everything's so cramped. People don't have what we have. And guess what? They're so happy because they're always connecting with each other and family plays such a big role. The same thing in Bali, even though Indonesia is considered a third world country, I've never met an unhappy Balinese. I just haven't. And it opens your eyes to so much more because you realize that literally what you think is the worst case scenario. So for example, losing your house, losing your relationship, going bankrupt, um, being homeless. I don't know. Like what you see as the worst case scenario is actually people's normal, right? There are actually some people that live with close to nothing and they are so happy and so content and it's inspiring, it really, truly is inspiring. So go out there, see the world, and see the beautiful nature parts of the world too. There's so many natural phenomenons that are just going to blow your mind when you see them in person. Nothing like the photos. Nothing. Number 15. Ooh, this has got to be my favorite. Let me take a dramatic sip of tea. I don't know why every sip of tea has to be dramatic, but that's how I hear it in the microphone. Okay. Number 15, ask for what you want. My mom and I have this saying, it's in Russian, so I'll, I'll say it and then I'll translate it for you. What it means is, look, you opened your mouth and everything happened for you. Half the time, just asking somebody for something gets you exactly what you want. I think a lot of the times we think like, oh, it's going to be such hard work to reach our dreams and it's going to be so hard to um, accomplish something or it's going to be so difficult to do this big thing that I wanted to do. But half the time, you just need to like ask, okay? Let me give you some examples. Everybody asks me how I got a TED Talk. I got a TED Talk because I applied. That's it. 
I literally just applied on their website. I saw that there was a TED Talk happening in Denver. I applied and I got in. That's it. Literally, that's it. And you may say like, oh, well, you know, you have a platform and you're this and you're that. But like, no, there's so many people that other speakers that were speaking with me and they're all doing really cool things, but in their own way. None of them have as many followers as I have, nor do any of them do retreats like I do. Everybody does a different thing and it's all great. And guess what? They got accepted too, right? And of course, there are people who didn't get accepted, but you never know unless you try. Cliche, but so true. Another example, okay? College. Going to college. What do you do when you want to go to the school that you want to go to? Just apply. What do you do when, oh, this is one thing that I've learned with my TED Talk coming out. I've been really trying to get it out there and I've been sharing it with you guys a lot. And I've also been reaching out to my fellow influencers, asking them to share the talk. And I used to feel so nervous, like asking people for a favor or to do something for me. And I thought they would hate me. But guess what? People are so happy to help. People are literally honored and flattered when you ask them to do something for you because people are always looking for ways to help other people. I mean, think about yourself. If somebody asks you for something and you really like that person and you know their intentions are pure, you are so happy to help them. When my friends reach out to me for help, I am honored. I'm literally honored because I just feel like they value me as a friend, right? So I literally just reach out and ask people for things. When I'm trying to get sponsors, whether it's on Instagram or for retreats and events or for this podcast, I just reach out and ask. Get in the habit of asking for what you want in with your partner in the bedroom. Ask. Just ask. Just straight up say, I want you to eat my pussy like this. Take their hand, put their hand where it needs to go, and show them. Just like start being more honest with people and start asking for what you want because you are worthy of receiving the things that you want. A lot of times it's a lot easier than you think. One question, last cherry on top to this. One thing that I like to ask myself is what would it look like if it were easy? It's such a cool thought experiment to play around and say, what would this look like if it were easy with retreats? Hosting retreats is like so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. There's a lot involved in hosting retreats. There's a lot of things behind the scenes that I've never shared that even the girls who come to my retreats, they don't see the, the work that it takes to put on a retreat. But I always ask myself when I'm feeling the most stressed or frustrated, what would this look like if it were easy? And then your mind starts coming up with solutions instead of problems, right? You start looking for for reasons for people to ask. You start looking um, at things very differently in a lot, in a lot, why can't I speak? In a lot simpler way because your, your mind is focused on easy, that word easy. And so remember where attention goes, energy flows. So if you tell yourself this is easy, what would this look like if it were easy? You're going to start coming up with ways that it's going to be easy where you're just going to ask for what you want and you'll get it. And that's it. And being just because it's easy doesn't mean it's not worth it. I know that a lot of the times things that are difficult and challenging are very much worth it, but also some things that are easy are also worth it, okay? So let it be easy. Ask for what you want. Number 16, another loaded one, divorce fucking sucks. I'm a kid of divorced parents, and it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. 
But also, divorce is not the worst thing in the world. My TEDx coordinator, Daphna Michelson Janae, I love her so dearly. She is the one who put on the, the TEDx talk that or the TEDx conference that I spoke at. And I was talking to her and her husband, Michael, who I literally love and admire so much. You have no idea. I admire them just as a couple. They inspire me the way they coexist together, the way they support each other, the way they work together, like everything about them just like is the epitome of the perfect couple, even though they're far from like stereotypical perfect, but they're perfect in a way that they just accept each other for who they are. And I, you know, was talking to them about my fears around marriage and that I'm, my biggest fear is divorce, like no joke. And I'm still unlearning that. But even at the time of this recording, like my biggest fear is divorce because I have been through two divorces in my life and I've never been married. So yeah, you can try to (laughs) figure that one out, but I'll also tell you, um, my mom divorced, not only my dad, she also divorced my stepdad, my sister's dad. Now she's really happily remarried and I love her and my stepdad so much and everything they're about as well. But my childhood was tough, like having two fathers and father figures come in and then out of my life and just, it was always emotional and difficult. So for me, like divorce is the worst thing in the world. And the biggest service that Daphna did for me was when she looked me in the eye over breakfast. We were having pancakes on Saturday morning after I had one of my TED trainings in Denver. And she's like, Mary, I know divorce fucking sucks and that it's been tough for you, but it's also not the worst thing in the world. And I just want to pass that message on to you. If you're a child of divorced parents, like it sucks. You grow up so fast. You know things about your parents that no kid should ever know about their parents. You see a whole different side, ugly side of relationships and marriage. And oftentimes that jades how you see love and how you, you know, what you accept as love. Um, But also, divorce is not the worst thing in the world. Some people see it as an end. Other people see it as a beginning. And don't let that fear, and I'm telling this to you because I'm telling it to myself, don't let the fear of getting divorced keep you from falling in love and from getting married if that's what you want to do. Okay. Number 17, you deserve great sex. Oh my goodness. I have this written down. as you deserve great sex. And I straight up thought that I wrote group sex. You deserve group sex too, if you want it. But what I was trying to say is you deserve great sex if you want great sex. Now, where this comes from is my previous boyfriend low key, like slut shamed me. And what I mean by that is he always made me feel guilty, not made me feel, of course we choose our feelings, but he, a lot of what he said And how he treated me when I asked for sex, like, really did make me feel guilty for even wanting it in the first place. Because he was like, why do you care about it so much? Why are you so obsessed with it? Why do you cry when I don't want to have sex? And I'm like, because it's important to me. My sexuality is something that I fought to embrace. And now I want to share this moment with you. And being rejected just really hurts tenfold because of that. So I always, like... I kind of made myself believe that sex was this dirty thing, not even dirty thing. I knew it wasn't dirty, but 
I believed at a certain point in my life that sex was this thing that I wanted more than other people and that wanting it so much was bad. So I always knew that like sex was good, right? But I never knew that wanting good sex was totally valid. I never knew that wanting sex frequently is totally valid and that could be a part of the relationship if you want it to be. So you deserve great sex. Right now, I'm so happy to say that I have great sex. I have great sex often. I have great sex with my partner and with myself, and it's fantastic. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. You deserve great sex and intimacy and exploring your body either by yourself or with a partner. Number 18, short and sweet. Sometimes the most productive thing you can do is sleep. Productivity is not your life's purpose. Okay, you are not put on this planet to get shit done. And I know that productivity has been this like badge of honor in our society lately, but doing nothing is totally okay. Just existing is totally okay. Just if you got through the day or the week or the year, that is totally okay. You don't have to always be go, 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 do, do, do all the time. In fact, most Buddhist monks will tell you that the highest form of enlightenment is when you can sit and do nothing, and just be, and be okay with that, okay? Let that fuck you up mentally. Enlightenment is just sitting and doing nothing, and being okay with that, with yourself and your thoughts. So, don't wear productivity like a badge of honor, and stop thinking that you always have to be working out, or that you always have to be doing something, or that you always have to be on a schedule. Sometimes, sitting back and letting life flow and being a little bit more loosey-goosey and flexible and well-rested is just as important. Number 19. Okay. This is me talking to high school Mary. It's not cool to hate people. Okay. I used to literally say, I hate people. I hate people. How many times, be real with yourself, have you said, I hate people? People suck. Like you're driving down the road. Oh, I hate people. Or, oh, I hate men. Or, oh, I hate women. How many times do we just throw that around like it's nothing? This has got to stop. We have to stop thinking that it's cool to hate people. People are literally the reason why we exist. People are everything. People are amazing. People are beautiful. Connection makes life worth living. If it wasn't for people, life would be meaningless. Start loving people and start taking pride in that. I take so much pride in being able to say that I truly love people. I love connecting with people. I love talking with people. And it's not because I'm an introvert or an extrovert, sorry. It's because I just recognize that people are the only thing that allow for connection. And connection is the only thing that we as humans want in our lives. It's the reason why we're alive. It's the reason why we make families and babies and that we exist in society and that we don't live in separate planets and isolation, okay? So let's stop thinking and saying that it's cool to hate people. You do not hate people. I know what it's like to get angry at a certain somebody, but let's not generalize that anymore and think that it's somehow cool or puts you on a pedestal above other people. Number 20. Okay, this is a big one. Sometimes by being nice, you're not always being nice. 
Focus on being kind instead. Now, what's the difference between nice and kind? Nice is when you are being a people pleaser. Nice is when you're doing something just because you don't want them to dislike you. Nice is when you are not being honest with somebody just because you're scared of the consequence, because you're scared of them being mad at you. Okay. Nice is being there for people when they're destroying themselves and like letting it happen. Being kind is leaving the person who is hurting you because it's actually teaching them a lesson that it's not okay to hurt people like that. Being kind is being honest with people, even when it's difficult. Okay. Being kind is being real. Showing up as your real self and not showing up as the people pleaser version of you, of who you think other people want you to be, because that's not doing anybody a favor. It's not being kind to yourself and it's not being kind to those around you because guess what? People want the real you. So start thinking of things, start thinking of your actions as kindness, body kindness, body compassion, being kind to yourself not just be nice. When I think nice, I think, ah, she's so nice. When somebody tells me I'm kind, think how much deeper that word resonates when you say kind. You are a kind human as opposed to, oh, you're a nice human, right? It's just a deeper, better word. And the difference is that being kind is actually you serving somebody. It's actually helping them. It's actually supporting somebody. It's not just saying that they look, that maybe not they look great, but it's not just lying to them, right? It's because your intention is totally different. Your intention, it's it's like that thing, okay? If you want to be nice, like don't tell somebody they got food in their teeth. But if you want to be kind, tell somebody they got food in their teeth. Like it's fine. They'll They'll appreciate it, right? People appreciate kindness. People appreciate realness. So be kind and be real. Okay, number 21. We're going to end it with a bang. Fuck it. Just love yourself. And now I hate when people say, just love yourself. Like it's an easy thing, but I'm, I'm trying to say it a little bit differently so that it hits a different level in you. Just love yourself. Okay, I'm going to leave you with that. And I have this tendency to like talk to further explain myself. But... I'm going to practice not doing that. So I'm just going to leave you with just love yourself, girl. You deserve it. I love you so much. And thank you for celebrating my 22nd birthday with me and this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave it a rating and review if you're on iTunes. I'm actually not sure how to review it on Spotify or other podcast players, But if you are on iTunes, I would really appreciate it because it helps the show get found by other people. If you just give it five stars and type something kind into the review box, I would so greatly appreciate that. And I appreciate you. I love you. And I'm going to go party in Vegas now because I'm feeling 22. Mm -hmm. Okay. Toodaloo. Love you. Bye.